Also, I want to um, touch on the trunk sale. I sent out an email a couple weeks ago about that. So if you're interested in that, please reach out to me or Taylor or Howie. Um, thank you all, and Governor Hill, the board meeting. Good morning. Isn't it good to know that, and I know I'm guilty of forgetting this on a regular basis, but it's good to know that I can come to the Lord just as I am. <laughs> uh, whatever that is, we can come into this place like that and on a daily basis. We can just come to him. He is standing, waiting with open arms. Um, we don't have to be pretty before him. So let's just sing this song, um, this hymn, Just As I Am, as a song of preparation, a song of meditation um, before the Lord.
shit. It is taken from uh, Revelation 15, verses 3b and 4. Please join with me where it says, people. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Amen.
highly exalted. He is stronger. Lord, you are great and glorious, ever watching over us, majestic and so marvelous. We declare you're wonderful, passionate in power, Father forever. You are faithful and worthy of all of our praise, worthy of us taking the time to lift him up, to bless his holy name. He is exalted.
this morning. He is worthy of all of our praise. Amen. You may be seated. Let's bow. Father God, we thank you. We just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. God, you are the good, good Father. There is none like you. And we can rest in that. You are so patient with us. You're so kind and so gentle with us, always standing with open arms, always holding us with your righteous right hand, so kind, so gentle, so faithful, so patient. Great is your faithfulness, Father. We love you today. We adore you. We glorify your name because you are worthy of it. You are worthy of it, Lord. You are the good shepherd. Making us lie down in green pastures. Guiding through, guiding us through the valleys of our lives. When we think, oh, I will surely die. You are there. And we praise you for that. The word tells us to be still and know that you are God. Lord, we do that right now. Not rushing. Sometimes we are in a hurry to get to the next thing. Lord, we right now, we just need to be still before you. Be exalted in this place. You are great. You are gracious. You are powerful. You are wonderful. Hallowed be your name. We love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good morning again. I sound better. Now's the time when we focus on sin. The things that sin that we, sins of omission, sins of commission. And also, it's always, oftentimes, when I think about my sin, it's one of those times when I'm not happy to talk about my sin and come to the Lord about it. But I think we consider it a privilege that our master's his arms are always open and willing to hear our sorrows, our sadness. And even when we have fallen short, we have not kept his law. So at this point in time, we're going to have the confession of sin. And then we're going to be a uh, silent meditation in between. And then we go to the assurance of pardon. This morning, the confession of sin comes from 1 John 5:10b. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has, has borne concerning his son. Let us meditate on that for a moment.
it is always wonderful to have a God that gives us a way of escape. When we have not done what we're supposed to, he is faithful, he is just, he's consistent, he's loving, he's kind, he's pure, he's holy, he's righteous, and we can keep going on and on about our good God. But our surest of pardon will come from 1 John 5, 11, 13. And in this testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this is life is in the, I'm sorry, let me read that one more time. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in the eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. All right, good morning. It's a pleasure and an honor to read scripture um, and to be gathered together like this. Amen. So today's scripture comes from uh, John 3, and we're going to read 1 through 8. I know the the, um, the slide may say 1 through 21, but we're going to look at 1 through 8 this morning. And it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I, that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you. Thank you for being our God and thank you for choosing us to be your people. Father, we don't take lightly this opportunity that we have to gather together as like-minded believers without persecution and without fear, to hear from your word, from the scripture. Father, uh, bless our pastor Alex as, as he comes to deliver this word to you, um, to, to uh, your people. And Father, be with him as he speaks and, 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 and preaches from the word. Father, pour out all of ourselves so that we can be filled up with you and with you alone. It's this and all things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to be back. I, ha- I have missed y'all, so it's good to be back with y'all today. It was a good, restful time of vacation. We made it through all the surgeries, and the kids are recovering well. So praise Jesus for that. Thank y'all for your prayers for uh, our kids as they recover. Uh, when we planted the Village Church, um, 
back in 2008, uh, we did, it, it was very important to me that uh, we have females in leadership at, at our church. And so we planted with that intent with ministry teams and all the other teams we had. I definitely didn't want all those teams to just be filled with men. I wanted our sisters to be able to use their gifts and even lead some of those teams, and they did. And a few years ago, even before COVID, the session was in a discussion about, you know, what are the roles of our sisters at TVC when it comes to leadership? And we were having that discussion way before COVID-19, way before 2020. And by the grace of God, we finally have completed that document with the help of the women shepherds and the women ministry leadership team. And this week, uh, the, the, that document will be emailed out to the congregation and the session and the women shepherds are asking you to read over that document. And if you have questions, concerns about it, reach out to us and schedule a meeting and we'll sit down and talk through the document. And, and I hope when you read the document that, that it will, you, you will hear it as love, not us critical, being critical, but it did come from a place of love a place of shepherding. And so, uh, again, be on the lookout for that and email us if you'd like to have a discussion about it. So just let us know. If you have your Bible, please open it to John 3. John 3. Three church members uh, who went through the TVC leadership training uh, were interviewed on Wednesday evening, and each of these members were, were asked a series of questions, and, and one question asked them to explain how have they seen the mission and vision of TVC uh, lived out. Each of them shared how they have witnessed broken people coming together to embrace and to extend Jesus' love in our church among our families. And y'all, my heart was dancing with joy as I listened to them share their answers. You see, the vision of our church isn't just a bunch of empty words. The Spirit is turning those words into the way that we can do life together, that we are broken people coming together to embrace and to extend Jesus' love. But do y'all believe it? Do I need to pull out the sign? Thank you. Today we're going to begin a new, uh, begin a mission and vision sermon, sermon series. And the title of the series is Resurrection Advocates. Uh, that title should be familiar because it was the name of the series that I preached on Easter. And so the plan for the next few weeks is probably going to be months now because I'm already behind. The, the plan is to see how Jesus functions as an advocate for the truth. We're going to see how does Jesus practice evangelism his way. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app, open at John 3. The sermon text today says John 1 through 8. And the big idea here is that Jesus knows the problem. Jesus knows the problem. Please pray with me for me. Holy Spirit, 
Preaching has no power apart from you. People are not saved apart from you. Christians don't have understanding of the truth apart from you. We cannot grow in our faith apart from you. Nothing gets done for the kingdom of God apart from the third person of the Godhead. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will minister to our hearts and minister to our minds. I pray that you will lead us into truth. I pray that you will encourage, you will bring conviction, you will lead to repentance, you will heal. You know what we need. And I pray that each of us will be able to receive from this message what we need to receive so that when we go back out into the places where we live, work, and play, we can be a little more rest assured about who we are in Christ. And I pray for all this in his name. Amen. Are you familiar with the phrase hype person? Yeah, he's a hype person. A hype person is someone who vocally supports and promotes a person, a, a group, or a thing. And, and for example, in, in hip hop, the hype person is, is a back is a background a backup rapper or singer who supports the primary rapper, like Flavor Flav for Public Enemy. And more recently, DJ Khaled. Do you have a hype person? Are you a hype person for someone else? Now, what about MC Jesus of Nazareth? Does he have a hype person? Yes. It's John. John is Jesus' hype man. John hyped Jesus up in the first two chapters of his gospel. And Jesus, John is DJ Khaled. Listen to these heights. He says, Jesus was with God. Jesus is the word. These are amen statements. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light. Jesus is eternal. And James Hop, his height doesn't stop there. He's like another one. James, Jesus comes to his own. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel. John, are you done yet? No, another one. Jesus has authority. Jesus is a threat to some. Jesus turns water into wine. He's the bridegroom. He's zealous for his father's house. He performs miracles. He is the resurrection after. But do we believe? All this hype about MC Jesus of Nazareth, who claims to be the life. Oh, what, what is that sound? Can we mute these um, the mics for the speakers or the drums, please? The static sound. Thank you. You can clap. <laughs> Some of the people during Jesus' time believed and others don't john 2 23 says now while in jerusalem at the passover many believed in jesus's name as they see him perform signs now are these people true believers is their belief genuine or bogus is this adequate faith or inadequate faith what about your belief is your belief in jesus of nazareth 
genuine or bogus? And if you are a kid, is your belief your parents' belief or yours? In John 22, verses 24 and 25, Jesus appears to, to think that the people's belief in verse 23 is, is bogus. The verse says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Is Jesus reacting to the people's unbelief? Is that the problem he knows? I think not. Jesus isn't reacting to the people's unbelief because their belief is actually genuine. Wait, what? Are are you sure about that, Pastor Alan? I am. I read a journal article this week on this passage. It's written by a sister named Debbie Debbie Hahn who works at Dallas Theological Seminary. And her extrajudical work led her to conclude that the people in John 2-3 have genuine faith. She writes, the people in John 2-3, in fact, believe in Jesus' name. The verb to believe, followed by in the name, occurs only in two other passages in John. In John 1-12, it says, the ones who believe in his name have the right to become what? Children of God. Now, is that genuine faith or bogus faith? It's genuine. In John 3.18, it looks at Jesus and equates believing in him with believing in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I agree with Sister Debbie. The people in John 2.3 are doing what John 1.12 and what John 3.18 says. They believe in the name of Jesus. So then why does Jesus react the way that he does? He's reacting to something else that he knows about people. Question. Who's responsible to protect President Joe Biden? Who's responsible? The Secret Service. The the president entrusts his security and safety to his Secret Service detail. The Greek term here that's translated entrust in verse 24, it means to entrust oneself to another for care and for protection. Come on now, do you see where I'm going? No human being would be in Jesus' secret service detail. Not even his disciples. Because he knows all people. He knows what's inside of us. And Debbie is again helpful here. She writes, entrusting oneself to another referred not to the disclosure of truth and intimacy or belief in the things of a person, but to personal security. Jesus, for the first time in John, predicted his death in 2, 18 through 22. Verses 23 through 25 follow to say that although many believe, they would not rally to Jesus when his life was threatened. And he knew it. In the end, his closest disciples were free from him when he was arrested. So he's not entrusting his security and his safety to people. See, John isn't making a contrast between the people in verse 23 and Jesus in verse 24 and 25. The contrast is between the people and another person. That's right, another person. John 2.25 tells us Jesus needs no one to bear witness about a man, about man, for he himself knows 
what's inside a man. Now guess who John introduces us to in the next chapter? A man. Come on. John bears witness about this man. He gives us external details about him. John hypes this man up. Even the meaning of the man's name is hype. It means victory of the people. What's your name, sir? I'm victory. I'm victory of the people. What's your name? I don't know. Not as cool as that name. Victory of the people is a man of importance and influence and status and power. He's a Pharisee, a member of a religious group that adheres to a strict following of the Mosaic law. They know the law. They follow the law. They even add to the law so they don't break the law. Victory of the man is also a ruler of the Gentiles. But what does that mean? He's a member of the Sanhedrin, a political and Jewish council headed by the high priest. Victory of the people is both religious and political. On the outside, victory of the people appears to have no issue, no need, no problem. Externally, he appears to be living a victorious life. What about you? What about me? Who is victory of the people? Look at John 3, verse 1. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And next, this man, Nicodemus, he decides to pay Jesus an unannounced visit. How do you feel when people pay you an unannounced visit? Are you always welcoming when people just show up? He comes to Jesus during a time when there probably isn't a lot of wholesome things happening. Verse 2 says, the man comes to Jesus during the night. Now, who usually comes out at night? According to Houdini, freaks come out at night. And so does our sin. We often do our dirt in the dark when we think we won't get caught. We have our sexual hookups in the dark. We watch porn in the dark. We cheat on our spouse in the dark. We engage in criminal activity in the dark. We abuse others in the dark. What have you done in the dark this week that those close to you have no idea you're doing? How have you been creeping around during the nighttime, hiding during your dirt? Now, please don't think that what we do in the dirt is just external. No, what we do in the dirt is also dark, it's also internal. In our thoughts, in our hearts, in our minds, like lust, coveting, greed, pride, hatred. What we do in the dark is both external and internal. Now, what else can happen during the night? Is it always negative? According to John, a Pharisee and a political leader comes to the Messiah at night. A man named Victory comes to a man named Yahweh Sage. Are y'all with me? A man who is clean on the outside comes to Jesus who knows that same man is dirty on the inside. Again, are you with me? Jesus doesn't, need, Jesus doesn't need no one to bear witness about humanity's external cleanliness. He doesn't need anyone to testify about how clean we are on the outside. Our status, our goodness, 
our accomplishments, our positions, all the good things that people see on the outside. Jesus said, I don't need you to anyone to bear witness about what you do on the outside because when I see inside of you, I don't see the same cleanliness. For he himself knows how unclean we are on the inside. A dirty, a dirty heart is the real problem. You see, Nicodemus isn't just coming to Jesus while it's dark. He himself is in the dark. He himself is in the dark. A man lost in darkness comes to the light during the night. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Instead, the light exposes the darkness within. It has to, because people lost in darkness aren't capable of bringing themselves to a recognition that they are lost. Okay? If a person is lost in darkness, they can they never come to a realization, yo, I'm in the dark. Never. Nicodemus doesn't know he's lost in darkness. He's clueless to the fact that he's unclean on the inside. He thinks he's okay. Do you think you're okay? He comes to Jesus externally clean. He comes to Jesus out of curiosity, not out of need. What about you? What brought you here this morning? Obligation, duty, guilt, curiosity, Fear, delight, need, or hope. What brought you here? Look at verse 2. A curious Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with them. Notice his respectful tone towards Jesus, Rabbi. Notice the plural pronoun he uses. We refers to the Pharisees and can also include to the, the whole Sanhedrin. Notice what the we do does. See and know. Like the people in John 2.23, Nicodemus and the other religious leaders, they have seen Jesus perform miraculous signs. And, and what they have seen with their eyes have led them to some truthful conclusions about Jesus. We know you are teacher, true. We know you come from God, true. We know God is with you because you can't do the things you do unless God is with you, true. All these things are true. But is there knowing here genuine faith? Is it genuine belief? The Greek term that's translated here to know also means to perceive and, and to acknowledge. It's to know about someone. It's to have knowledge of someone or something. The term comes from the root word that means to see with your physical eyes. See, Nicodemus' knowing isn't genuine. It's not genuine faith or belief. You see, TVC Saints, the contrast John is making is Nicodemus' response to the signs and the people's response to the signs. It's a contrast between belief and unbelief, genuine faith and bogus faith. It's a contrast between being in the dark and being in the light, between believing in Jesus' name or simply believe in certain things about Jesus. Where are you this morning? Do you believe in Jesus' name, or do you simply believe certain truths about him because you went to Sunday school growing up, or you go to SEC now? 
Please understand. Knowing facts about Jesus isn't the same as believing in his name. It's not the same thing. I know facts about a lot of famous people, but I don't really know them. There's no facts about them. We live in the Bible Belt in America, which means we're going to come in contact with a lot of people who know who 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 acknowledge Jesus without surrender and trust. They just know things about them. Some of, and some of you might be some of those people. We're going to come in contact with people who are curious about Jesus. They're curious about our, our faith, and they have, and they they come to you with questions. They come with you out of curiosity. Marcus and I met such a guy a few months ago at Just Love Coffee. Yes, Just Love Coffee. He overheard our spiritual conversation, and eventually he made his way to our table. And he told us up front, he said, I'm not a believer. I don't believe any of that. But I want to understand the hope you have. I want to understand it because it doesn't make sense. So we shared and he listened and he shared about his life and we listened. He didn't convert, but he's searching for something. And like Jesus, we should have a welcoming disposition towards such Everybody that you're going to come across who needs to hear the truth, it ain't always going to be convenient to your schedule. It ain't always going to be convenient to your plans. It ain't always going to be fitting to your calendar and your day timer. Sometimes it's going to be an interruption. And I'm encouraging all of us, slow down. Slow down. You never know how the Spirit's going to bring someone in your life. And can we slow down and listen? Listen. 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 Listen to their story. You're not there to save them. You're not the Spirit. But you can listen to what they're saying. When it comes to evangelism, we need to be like Motel 6. We leave the light on for people. And I encourage you this week, leave the light on for your neighbor. Leave the light on for your classmate. In fact, leave the light on for the family you live with. Leave the light on for them. For some of us, you may be the the only example of Jesus they're seeing. I want you to look at this table before you. And you know what this table is? This is God leaving the light on for you. He said, why should I leave the light on for people? You wouldn't be a believer if Father didn't leave the light on for you. So how can you withhold the blessing that you have been freely given from other people? We can't remember where we came from. Don't Don't forget what God redeemed you from. Don't forget who you used to be. It's all mercy, as, as Pastor Irwin, Irwin, Pastor um, Thurman preached on Sunday. Grace and mercy. And so this meal here is for the spiritual nourishment for each of you who have saving faith in Jesus. It ain't for perfect people. None of us are perfect. 
is for those who have been cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. And if you have made a profession of faith in Jesus, then this meal is for you. And I believe that this meal nourishes us spiritually. It's supernatural. Ain't nothing special about this, the juice and the bread. But the Spirit uses it to nourish us spiritually. So if you need nourishment, ask the Spirit to, to feed you today. That when you drink this wine and eat of this bread, ask Him to use this meal to give you what you need. And He'll answer that prayer. He will. And if you are a believer today, you're more than welcome to partake of this meal. But there is a warning. The Word says, Whoever therefore eats the bread and drink of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and blood of Christ. So the Spirit asks us, let us examine ourselves. Examine yourself before you receive it. Friends and neighbors, if you do not have faith in Christ, I consider it an honor to have you here with us. And if you have questions about what it means to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please see me at the end of the service. And adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church where that you are a member of. Can I have the attention of all kids, TBC kids? Please give Pastor Alex your attention for just one moment. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves each and every one of you. This meal is a reminder that he really did die for your sins. And, that he, want, and he wants you to come to saving faith in him, to receive him as Lord and Savior. And as your pastor, that is my prayer, along with the prayer of your parents and your guardians. I would love to see every kid come to the Lord and be able to partake of this meal with their church family. And again, if you have questions about communion, questions about anything in Christianity. I don't have all the answers now, but I'm your pastor too, and I'll be gladly to give you a phone call, and we can talk. If you want to, I can take, we can, I can meet your parents at Dairy Queen, get your ice cream, and we can talk. Take me up on it. Take you up. I'm talking to the kids. <laughs> Whoever said that. Was that Dawson? The kids get ice cream, Dawson. The kids. Let us pray. Father God, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take and use these elements, this common bread, this common juice, to give the nourishment, the spiritual, supernatural nourishment to each of us. That nourishment could be courage to ask for help. That nourishment could be the boldness to do certain things we never thought we could do. We never know what the nourishment looks like. We just know that we need it. And we trust that you can give it. And I pray for all that in Christ's name. Amen. So Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And we had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We also have prepackaged elements, so let the elders know if you would like a prepackaged one.
Beloved sons and daughters, this is Christ's body broken for each of you, eat of it, all of you. In the same manner, he took the cup and having given thanks, he said to his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you.
God's beloved, is Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of you. Holy Spirit, as I pray in the beginning, will you nourish, nourish each of us individually, and also will you give spiritual nourishment to us as a corporate body. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Can you please stand, saints? After uh, the song, there will be a ministry moment uh, from Lincoln Village Ministries.
may be seated. This month, we are highlighting um, our ministry partners um, as we invite everyone to come join the mission. So please receive Jana Baker. She is our rep from um, LVM, Lincoln Village Ministries. Is this on? Okay. Hey, um, I am Jana, and my role at Lincoln Village, I get to serve as the volunteer coordinator, but I also get to serve as a neighborhood coordinator. And what that means is I walk alongside the families that live in Lincoln Village. We have, um, I have four families that I walk alongside and help them meet their goals. And so what does that mean? At Lincoln Village, our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus, and we get to do that through housing and education. Most of you probably know we have a preschool, three- and four-year-old preschool that's expanding this year, praise God. We have a um, kindergarten through eighth-grade Christian academy. Um, we have an after-school program, a summer program. But then we also do housing, transitional housing for low-income families, typically single mothers with children. We do have some entire families that live in the community, and we also have a single dad and his son that live in the community. And they're there for four to five years. And in that time, we're, th we're helping them meet their goals. So as a neighborhood coordinator, I'm meeting with a family twice a month, and I'm helping them meet whatever goals they came into the community with. So what does that mean? A lot of times that's financial. They are low-income families, so they want to increase their financial um, status in some way. And so, But that could mean going back to school, getting a better job, getting some type of certification that will allow them better employment. And so we help resource them with different relationships that we have around the city and in the area um, to help them get those things. And we also, you know, they may have goals to um, better their mental health. And so if they need a psychiatrist, we help them get that. If they need a physician, we help them get that. If their children need a physician or a psychiatrist or counselor or whatever, we help them get those things while they're there in our program. And our hope is that after four to five years, they're on to whatever God has next for them. Hopefully home ownership. You know, we have a really good relationship with Habitat for Humanity, and they reserve two spots for our residents um, when their program applications open up that our, um, our residents can apply for their program and then go on to own their own Habitat for Humanity home. But they may leave and they may rent, or they may move in with a family member, or they may buy a house of their own. Whatever the case may be, as long as they have developed a relationship with Jesus and have built a community around them that can support them in that journey, we feel like God has called us to do what, uh, or we feel like we've done what God has called us to do um, at Lincoln Village. And so sharing the gospel of Jesus is what we get to do through housing and education. And we do have lots of opportunities. I see some familiar faces. I know that you guys come out and help um, with volunteer days and even in your um, bulletin, there's an announcement about some care packages that are being created. Those are wonderful items that go to our um, residents. They are moving into homes typically for the first time, so they don't have the basic necessities that they need, like cleaning supplies or trash bags or whatever the case may be. And so the Village Church has so graciously come alongside us and helped supply those things for them and just a welcome to the neighborhood package. So definitely be on the lookout for more information about that and information about volunteer days that happen at Lincoln Village. Um, I do have some information over here as well, and I'll be here after service to help answer any questions that you may have. I can talk all day long about Lincoln Village, but they gave me five minutes up here, so I'm going to wrap it up. And um, But I will be available after service if you have any questions. So thank you. Thank you, Jana. So if you are interested in... Oh. 
So if you're interested in serving, please come get some information. And Lincoln Village Ministry, our church, many of you might not know this, our church was planted out of Lincoln Village Ministry. Lincoln Village, LVM was here before the church was. And Mark Stearns is the one who actually recruited me to come be the church planner. And so we're, we're connected in ministry. And so uh, our church is looking for more ways to get more connected with LVM. And so uh, please come see Jen after the service and look for ways in which you can serve and be uh, connected with LVM. And as Patience said, this whole month we'll have mission partners come share ways that we can be more connected with them uh, with time. We do support them financially, but we also want to support them with our time as well. So will you please stand for the Lord's benediction? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.